So last week, I introduced you to a couple of our teachers for this series, Stripe and Yellow. They are caterpillars who undergo a transformation, a metamorphosis, through entering some time in the cocoon and emerging as butterflies. And the reason they are good teachers for us is because we're in this series called Between Cross and Resurrection, a theology of Holy Saturday. And in this series, we're talking about the important role of waiting in our spiritual lives, in our spiritual development. And Friday, of course, in the Easter story is the day of despair. It's the day of darkness. It's the day that the dream dies. And we all spend some time on Fridays in life. And then there is Sunday, Easter Sunday, and that is the day of life and victory and resolution and resurrection. And we all spend some time on Sunday, but right in the middle, of the Easter story is this day, Saturday. It's the day where the questions that began on Friday continue. It's a day of silence. There is not resolution. We don't know how it will end. And most of our lives are lived on Saturday. So today we want to talk about our waiting on Saturday and how our waiting on Saturday can be either worthwhile or worthless. We can wait well, or we can wait poorly. Did you know that like 96% of Americans will knowingly put something burning hot into their mouths rather than wait for it to cool off? Like that means like only 4% of us are willing to wait, <laughs> which seems kind of true. We hate waiting. We feel like we're out of control when we're waiting. We can do things in the waiting periods of our lives, ways, things that we can do to uh, escape the waiting on our own terms, or we can surrender our will to God and to trust that he will give us hope. So we can wait poorly or we can wait well. What does it mean to wait well. In 1 Peter 4, 1 through 8, we learn about how to live on Saturday, how to wait well. And we see in this passage kind of a threefold process of waiting that leads to transformation. It looks like this. Separation, transformation, emergence. Can you say those words with me? Separation, transformation, emergence. So separation is the caterpillar saying I don't want to crawl anymore. Transformation is the beginning of change. It's the chrysalis time, the cocoon time. And then emergence is the butterfly, the resolution, the chrysalis opening, and the wings emerging. So listen, how to, listen to how the Bible talks about this process of transformation. This is 1 Peter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body has finished with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. 
they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Separation, transformation, emergence. This passage is talking about a journey, a process, a metamorphosis. We have a most unfortunate way of talking about our faith when we say, when did you become a Christian? As if that one time you walked down the aisle or said a prayer or sat around a campfire and threw a stick in the fire, as if that one moment tells the whole story rather than that just being the beginning of a journey that lasts a lifetime. John Westerhoff, professor at Duke Divinity School, says this, no aspect of thinking on conversion is more foreign to the American evangelical experience than this stress on conversion as a process. Evangelicals emphasize emotion and an initial movement This moment is celebrated, recalled, and when the experience fades, recaptured. But Christian tradition does not agree. Conversion is a continuous and lifelong process. Conversions proceed layer by layer, relationship by relationship, here a little, there a little, until the whole personality, intellect, feeling, and will have been recreated by God. The first part of this process of waiting well for transformation is separation. Can we talk about separation? In our passage in 1 Peter that we're walking through today, that passage says it like this, they do not live the rest of their lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. There has been a separation. In our book about the caterpillars, we see that Stripe, one of the caterpillars, begins his journey by doing what all the other caterpillars do. And along the way, he has to separate himself. So the story goes like this. Then one day, Stripe saw some crawlers really crawling. He looked around for their goal, and he saw a great column rising high into the air. When he joined them, he discovered the column was a pile of squirming, pushing caterpillars, a caterpillar pillar. It appeared that the caterpillars were trying to reach the top, but the top was so lost in the clouds that Stripe had no idea what was there. He felt new excitement, like sap rising in the spring. Maybe 
I'll find what I'm looking for. The first half of our lives is about this climbing, and it is good. But there is a point where we stop and we say, time out, no more. What we are talking about here is what some people have called this journey in life from they to I to we. Life begins usually with an identification with they. Who's my tribe? Who's my people? They give me a sense of identity. It's about establishing ego, fitting into the tribe, proving our worth, making a life. Like the other caterpillars in my tribe, they are climbing to the top of this caterpillar pillar. So I will too. This is what we do. But at some point, we must be separated. We have to experience separation. Often, it happens in midlife. It happens in the middle of a crisis where we descend. We move away from they to I. The true self, the unique image of God that you were created to be, this is Christ in you. It's the move from identification with the tribe to identification with who Christ has made you uniquely to be. And it is uncomfortable to go through separation because the drug of belonging is a very strong drug. So when you break away from that mass of caterpillars climbing to go on a journey of who did Christ make me to be, it's uncomfortable. It's lonely, it's confusing, it is a dark and painful process. It can be disillusioning to you and to the people who are around you who are like, can you just go back to your old self? Can we just get things back to the way they used to be? And if you've been through this, you know everything within you is like, yes, I would like that too, but I can't. I can't just go back to the way things were. Now, if you remain... If you endure the discomfort of separation, if you endure the stayedness of the cocoon, a powerful we can be born, where your life is no longer identified by us and them. You have gone through the process of separating yourself from everything the tribe says it is about. You have differentiated, but you haven't just stayed there. You've moved on to see the shared image of God in all humanity. Your love has been purified. And you can welcome that forth in other people. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself here. So uh, we've separated, separation. We're no longer just going along with the ways of the world or the tribe to fit in. We start to figure out the I, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We start the process. We start to experience some transformation. You know, in the Gospels, it's interesting. When important times of transition came for Jesus, he entered spaces of waiting. You have the wilderness, the garden, the tomb. Jesus' life is like this balanced rhythm of waiting on God. See, we tend to think about waiting as a passive thing. It's passivity to wait. 
But if you actually look it up in the dictionary, the words passive and passion come from the same Latin word pati. And you know what that means? It means to endure. Like waiting is a passionate, vibrant, creative, contemplative work. It means descending into self, into God, into the deeper labyrinths of prayer. It involves listening to all those like voices within yourself that you have disinherited and tried to push away and aside. It means facing the wounds in your own soul. It means rediscovering those parts of yourself that you have alienated, admitting the places where you're living falsely or putting on a mask. Basically, it means struggling with the vision of who you really are in God and then forging the courage to actually live as that person in the world. Alan Jones says this, there is a self within each one of us aching to be born. And when this aching just breaks into your life, whether it's through a crisis or a midlife thing, we have to find the courage to say yes. Yes, I will forge forward to be the more real Christ-like self that is struggling to be born. So after separation comes the beginning of transformation. And often this is where you are very misunderstood. When you begin the process of transformation, you're often very misunderstood. 1 Peter 4.4 4 speaks to this. They are surprised you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. You used to join me. Where are you now? What's going on here? In the book, uh, Hope for the Flowers, we see Stripe begins climbing that caterpillar pillar, and he gets to the top, and he realizes there's nothing there. And so he turns around. He makes a move towards transformation. When he does this, he is very misunderstood by the other, other, the other, the other, other caterpillars. Here's this part of the story. He turned around and began down the pillar. This time he didn't curl up. He stretched out full length, looked straight into the eyes of each caterpillar. He marveled at the variety and beauty, amazed that he had never noticed it before. He whispered to each, I've been up. There's nothing there. Most paid no attention. They were too intent on climbing. One said, it's sour grapes. He's bitter. I bet he never made it to the top. But some were shocked and even stopped climbing to hear him better. One of these whispered in anguish, don't say it, even if it's true. What else can we do? Stripe's answer shocked them all, including himself. We can fly. We can become butterflies. There's nothing at the top, and it doesn't matter. As he heard his own message, he realized how he had misread the instinct to get high, to get to the top he must fly, not climb. Stripe looked at each caterpillar, inebriated with joy that there could be a butterfly inside. But the reaction was worse than before. He saw fear in eyes. They didn't stop to listen or speak. This happy, 
glorious news was too much to take, too good to be true. And if it wasn't true, the hope that lit up the pillar dimmed. All seemed confused and unreal. The way down was so immensely long. The vision of the butterfly faded. Doubt flooded Stripe. The pile took on horrible dimensions. He struggled on barely, blindly. It seemed wrong to give up believing, yet believing seemed impossible. A crawler sneered. How could you swallow such a story? Our life is earth and climbing. Look at us worms. We couldn't be butterflies inside. Make the best of it. Enjoy caterpillar living. Perhaps he's right, sighed Stripe. I haven't any proof. Did I only make it up because I needed it so much? And in pain, he continued down, searching for those eyes which would let him whisper, I saw a butterfly. There could be more to life. One day, finally, he was down. Sometimes, transformation feels like being misunderstood. Sometimes, transformation means the light seems too dim. Sometimes, transformation feels immensely long. You know, the most significant events in Jesus' life took place in darkness. His birth took place in darkness. His arrest, his death, his resurrection. It's like darkness in the spiritual life has gotten a bad rap. It's gotten a lot of bad press. But sometimes darkness leads to extraordinary events. Like what is the extraordinary event taking place in the dark night of the soul? You are receiving a loving call from God to move into like a deeper and wider dimension of the spiritual life. Like you're being emptied out of the old. You're being invited into a deeper and a wider place. John of the Cross said this, the purpose of the dark night is to purge us. Like the previous ways of thinking and relating to God, they no longer suffice. The old religious acts no longer bring the consolation they used to. All those patterns we've developed, the selves we've created, the false selves we've created, they're like outgrown sweaters. They don't fit anymore. And sometimes when this happens, people think I'm losing my faith. No, 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 no. This is a part of the journey of faith. We're descending, we're going down. Sometimes it's dim. Sometimes it's long. Often you're misunderstood. Thomas Merton tells us that the darkness that comes over us, um, it happens when we are allowing God to strip us of all these false selves that we've made. And transformation, if you're going to transform, it requires the stripping of those false selves that you've created. And we've all done that. John of the Cross calls it the process of denuding. Lots of different uh, 
spiritual classic writers talk about this process. Basically, the caterpillar has to die in its current form to be transformed. Everything, if you think about it, that is good, incubates in darkness. You have the caterpillar incubating in the darkness of the chrysalis. You have the seed incubating in the darkness of the earth. Even a baby incubates in the darkness of the womb. Your true soul incubates in the dark night. Your true self, your truest you, spends some time in the dark incubating before it is birthed in your soul. Like whenever new life grows and emerges, emerges, it goes forward, darkness is critical, it's crucial to the process. One of the more interesting conversations recorded in the Bible is this conversation between Jesus and this high-ranking Pharisee named Nicodemus. It's in John chapter 3, 1 through 8. And Jesus told him, Jesus told Nicodemus, in order to see the kingdom of God, a person has to be born again. And Nicodemus wants to know, like, how is a person going to re-enter their mother's womb? How does that work? And Jesus makes it clear to him in this conversation, he's talking about spiritual birth. One that takes place inside of us. Now, as followers of Christ, we have often emphasized the birth. We have paid very little attention to the incubation period in the womb, in darkness that happens before the birth. Not just once, but over and over and over, this happens in transformation in our lives. It's this essential part of the ongoing journey, months of darkness in the womb. It's a part of transformation. I remember when I was pregnant with Russell, I signed up for this email, and each week I would get like a little note. This week your baby is the size of a poppy seed. This week your baby is the size of a blueberry. This week, you're towards the end, your baby is the size of a watermelon. <laughs> and at that point, you're like, yes, I know, let's get this watermelon out of here. <laughs> but spiritual life is like this ongoing spiritual gestation of giving birth to deeper dimensions of wholeness in you. Jesus used this metaphor of birth so that we could see, like, how important it is. How new birth happens in us. With every single birth in you, every new deeper dimension of you becoming your truest self, that birth is preceded by a womb that is dark. It is an incubation time. And it happens over and over and over. Jesus was telling us, this is how you grow. This is how you become. This is the transformation of the cocoon. So if you want new life, if you want to see new wings emerge, you'll have to spend some time in the darkness of the chrysalis. 
as the Bible says, we are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another, like birth by birth, all throughout life, not just one time, this journey of becoming changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. So transformation begins. And then on Saturday, at some point, you give way to emergence. In our passage from 1 Peter, uh, it is said like this. This is like the goal. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. See, once in, in our story with Stripe and Yellow, once Yellow has emerged as a butterfly, do you know what she does? She goes back to that pile and she flies around at the top. And that's where she first sees Stripe, and that's where Stripe begins his descent. She's compelled to go back and look for Stripe in the pile. And she can love others deeply and purely and fully and without strings attached because her love has been purified. She can love deeply because of what she has been through. The story says this. When he, Stripe, finally awoke, he found the yellow creature fanning him with wings of light. Is this a dream, he wondered. But the dream creature acted awfully real. She stroked him with her feelers and most of all, looked at him so lovingly that he began to trust that what he had said about becoming a butterfly might be true. She walked a little distance away, then flew back. She repeated it as if he should follow. 